0: You guys cold where you are? It's frigid. It's very frigid. Frigid. It's windy as shit
1: over here. This is not supposed to be the coming of spring. Well, I gotta it is spring break though. And I'm making the tragic mistake of going to a snowy mountain on spring break. <laughs> yeah, that'll work
0: out well for you. Welcome to the Bottle of Brown podcast. I am your host, Danny Paul. Joining me in the Bob Media Studios today are the Baron of Bourbon, the Kaiser of Cali, the liege Lord of Loathe himself. Leon Coventry, ladies and gentlemen. Danny happy Thursday. Happy Danny Thursday, man. sir. Also the joining us in Bob me- I'm doing fucking awesome. That's it. That's the spirit. That is the spirit. Let's get through the intros here. We also also joining us in the Bob <laughs> Media Studios today. <laughs> the maestro de mexico the duke of the desert and the crown prince of purple that's right mr not mr just the midge ladies and gentlemen
2: hey where are the white women at where indeed how you doing Midge? I'm, if, I, if i seem distracted i'm i'm scrolling through uh, a young lady's instagram that's just basically pictures of her boobies and various levels of undress so alpha jugs oh they're fantastic
1: yeah do I'll, what you gotta do man i'll send them on send them on send to, them to the channel's the private yeah, send my burner account. You know which one I'm talking about.
2: I <laughs> know <laughs> no, the account. Allegedly. <laughs> oh, you but you're, you're,
1: leaning. you're leaning. I feel like I have to like w- watch.
2: I'm not leaning. My laptop is leaning. I'm straight <laughs> up and down.
1: There we go. Yeah. That must Great have been a pretty time. girl on an Instagram man himself. <laughs> your, your laptop's on your lap and it's slowly lifting to the right. <laughs> That's exactly what's
0: going on, isn't it? You know the direction, Eileen. <laughs> All right, let's get down to Brass tacks. What is your brand for tonight, boys?
1: Tonight I am this is this is I'm gonna we get no uh sponsorship money yeah, from this, but I'm yeah, but going, I'm gonna build this one up rod and hammers cask bourbon if you get the cask strength one it is outstanding okay. and it was actually uh pretty hard to find initially and of course like all good bourbons triple b found it first but uh it is it is starting to show up on the shelf so if you find a rod and hammers especially the cask strength it's it is absolutely worth worth it it should run you about 60 to 80 bucks but it's worth every penny
2: all right okay rod and hammers
0: Mm -hmm. how about you midge would you rock it
2: i'm back to the old standby uh captain morgan i'll have i will have some more interesting and new uh flavors for you next week
1: (laughs) i gotta tell you uh midge you're so new to the show that you haven't you haven't developed the addiction that is to come. I already know what's gonna happen. You know, it was really cute Cumming when we is first an addiction. started. Yeah. When we first uh, yeah, well it is. Danny uh had, you know, like two or three scotches in his house. It was cute. And uh what have you done to yourself now? He's he's oh. out hunting, he's running to stores. He is a he is a I absolute in, whiskey hunter. Uh, I was in Trevor's
0: market. On Wednesday, which is the upscale, the upscale market in uh, North Scottsdale. There's one in uh, there's one in South Scottsdale, closer to you, Mitch. Um, and they have this beautiful clamshell display in the center of the store. And you walk in, and you're just enveloped by like twelve feet of all different kinds of brown. And I'm going through, and I'm like, all right, so whistle pig, piggy bag, picked clean. Mm-hmm. They had a they had a sign for Weller, picked clean. Sure. They had all the all the, all the regular favorites were picked clean. There was one bottle of Buffalo Trace left. And then there was like eight deep of some of these other bottles. And I'm just kind of looking around. And a dude comes walking up. He goes, can I help you with anything? I said, nope, just looking for unicorns. He goes, yep, yep. He says, well, what about one of those? There's only two left in the state. And he pointed to a $10,000 bottle of Rotha. <laughs> I said, damn right, sir.
1: But not my mission today. I asked him very politely, are you out of your fucking mind?
0: If I had $10,000, I wouldn't be talking to you. I'd be
2: collecting <laughs> Indian scalps on the moon. Hey! <laughs> I think maybe we should try an all Harry Carey episode. That would be, be amazing. Be going a while.
1: Danny, what are you drinking tonight? Uh, you'll be maybe less than pleased to know, Leon, that I went back to my beloved scotch today. I knew you told us you were
0: going to. I am going to because the wheated bourbon quarter is over. It is time to uh-huh. move on to the next quarter of the year. This is season three. Tonight is episode 78, boys. Seventy?
1: Oh, my God. Eight. Be proud. I will make I'll make a commitment that on 80, I, I will also have a scotch. Be proud of what we've accomplished. Just for you. Tonight is a
0: 12-year Glen Morangi. It is called mm. the La Santa Sherry Cask Finish Highland Single Malt. And I got to tell you, I do miss my scotch. I flirted with bourbon. I was having a good time with them, but... Something about drinking leather, it's just, it's unparalleled.
1: It's the best. It's the most pretentious thing I've ever heard you say. Mm. Mm. But you wear it well.
0: It's the sloppy seconds of your bourbon barrels, and it's so much more fun. Because <laughs> now it's experienced, and it knows what to do. <laughs> I don't have to no teach it anything. It's
1: experience.
0: <laughs> oh, my God. Awesome. Anyway, neither here nor there. Now that we're done talking about brown, let's talk
2: about brown. How you doing? Whiskey and whiskey. This is the darkest brown you got. Yeah. Say, Holmes, are, where are they in the scotch? What about, um, brown?
1: That's code for bourbon.
2: Great stuff, this bourbon. It comes from a land called Kentucky.
1: Talk about brown. There's a special rung in hell
0: reserved for people who waste good scotch.
1: Scotch? Oh, yes, I, I think so. Can I have one more of these with some booze in it, please?
0: Can I talk about brown? comes to us from utsouthwestern.edu you oh so you know it's real oh so you know it's real yeah it had to be it, medical center mm-hmm. those of you new to the show uh because i know that our numbers are growing welcome god damn it welcome but uh we <laughs> post the links to all these stories that we share in the show notes so go ahead and check it out yourself uh if you want you can open all these stories and follow along with us while we talk about them but this is ut southwestern scientists discover agent that reverses the effects of intoxication
1: now we are talking you don't need to cure cancer if you're doing this this one's talking. This is, that. this is
0: the Lord's work. This is the Lord's work. This was dated March 7th, 2023. So this is recent hormone called FGF 21 speeds recovery from alcohol poisoning in mice has potential mm. to save countless lives. Researchers say, man, you should have had that on stock. Right, of that my life. have a liver produced hormone. So many called, brain cells. Yeah. Well, who knows a shot of a liver produced hormone called FGF 21 sobered up mice that had passed out from alcohol, allowing them to regain consciousness and coordination much faster than those that didn't receive this treatment. UT Southwestern researchers report in a new study. So the UT is University of Texas. The Mm -hmm. findings published in Cell Metabolism Science could lead to effective treatments for acute alcohol intoxication, which is responsible for about 1 million emergency room visits in the U.S. each year, Hmm. or maybe 999,999 because someone didn't go to the emergency ward. I was just going to
1: say, is that when, when your friends care about you and your life? They take you to the ER and you have alcohol poisoning instead of, you know, letting you throw up inside your own face.
2: Hey, that was entirely your fault. We were <laughs> well, drunk obviously. This is, I'm uh, just glad this I'm
1: here to tell the tale. 25 <laughs> years ago? That's good. Now, let's keep bringing it up. Get Humans have long searched for day. agents
0: that could reverse drunkenness, and now we have discovered something to achieve this effect that's been in our bodies the whole time. Quoth David Mangelsdorf. Great name. PhD, chair and professor of pharmacology, professor of biochemistry at UTSW, and a Howard Hughes Medical Institute
1: investigator. Mm. What about that last accolade just seems kind of off. The dark circles under his eyes are frightening to me.
0: Yeah, that, yeah, maybe, maybe. Anyway, Dr. Mangelsdorf, what do you think he does to dwarves? (laughs) Dr. Mangelsdorf co-led the study with his longtime collaborator, Stephen Clewer, PhD, professor Mm. of molecular biology and pharmacology, and Miwa Choi, PhD, and instructor of pharmacology. Dr. Clewer explained that for thousands of years, humans have attempted to speed up the sobering process after drinking too much alcohol. For example, the ancient Greeks believed that amethyst could protect people from drunkenness, so they drank out of chalices carved from this semi-precious stone. But there is no treatment for alcohol intoxication other than removing undigested alcohol by pumping the stomach and preventing people from aspirating their own vomit. Getting sober mm-hmm. takes time. Uh, over the years, these three colleagues discovered that FGF21 discouraged alcohol drinking in sober mice and encouraged water drinking to prevent dehydration in intoxicated mice. Other researchers discovered that this hormone appears to protect against alcohol-related liver injury. Ah. While further exploring the hormone, scientists discovered that mice genetically altered to delete the gene that produces FGF21 took far longer than unaltered mice to become sober after acute alcohol poisoning thoughts on this so far uh
1: i i like where they're going but i do have to ask what side effects would you tolerate to no longer have a hangover i know i know we're probably going to get to some of those i think this one zips you out of being
0: drunk so yeah maybe it's something for the emergency ward or for the for the ambulance uh Can I
2: you, <clears throat> water is cheating water is cheating well yeah water.
1: for for no hangover or liver problems would you give up ice cream for life Ooh, uh, i think so yeah. hmm this is a tough one for you leon i know how you feel about ice cream mm. i i would probably give yeah. up costco pizza <gasps> i think that's important. what about what about the uh, double double no what about in and out no, no. you no. can have
0: my you can have yeah. my in and Out when you pry it from my cold dead hands i will <laughs> take the liver damage because i'm just I'm gonna wolf the I'm gonna wolf the cheeseburger just to tell the pain. Bacon. Man. Anyway, <clears throat> further investigation shows that FGF twenty one <laughs> acts on a nor. Andrenergenic neurons, a type of nerve cell in the brain that promotes wakefulness. The hormone didn't affect alcohol metabolism, though, as both treated and untreated mice showed the same blood alcohol concentrations. All right, so it's like it's like super coffee. Mm-hmm. Uh, appears to specifically affect intoxication from alcohol. Animals that received other types of sedatives did not become alert any faster than usual when given this hormone. Already been hmm. explored in clinical trials.
1: Have you ever tried any of those gimmicky ones that are like at the counter of your gas station? Yeah, those little red it's pills like- that are like the drink, uh, take one of these right before you go to bed kind of deals. Exactly. Yeah. And they have like little ones that look like five hour energies and you yeah. get down that. I've never tried them. The best one that I've gotten is uh, orange juice. Drink a glass of orange juice before you go to bed. That's probably the only one. But man, that's why the high juice were so good.
0: I've <laughs>
2: taken one of the gas station things. Just gave me a boner.
0: Yeah. Sure. Sure, you got the right <laughs> <one>? <laughs> Did it give you a boner at the gas station? <laughs> Almost that's, that's pretty amazing. <laughs> I can't think of a gas station that would give me a boner. <laughs> <laughs> uh, inevitably there's gonna be a disclaimer here. So we don't want to send the signal that it's okay to get drunk because a drug can undo it, Dr. Cleaver said. But FGF 21 may eventually be able to prevent some negative consequences for people incapacitated from alcohol. I hate that bullshit. Up. I listed a number I just hate of other that. doctors and scientists and researchers that all a lot of people contributed to this, so this was a big deal. But here's the thing they're half-assing it we got three, three scientists here with a lot of degrees and letters behind their names at the University of Texas going, Hey, let's feed mice alcohol. Science.
2: I think, I think the whole uh, you know, we don't want people to think they can take a drug to undo it. That's the whole reason people take drugs, period. Exactly, always they're always taken to undo something. Yeah, I just feel like. They need to be
1: shooting for the moon and not be like cautiously, obviously they don't want to be sued. That's, man, I'm not ready to rant this early in the night, but this is what, this is what our bullshit legal system has done to us. We're so gun shy for greatness. Like just go, go for it. Don't be afraid of people suing you because they got drunk and thought that they could inject a hormone and save their life you just go for it. You go for the moon. When the researchers delivered
0: smaller amounts of alcohol more akin to typical human drinking, enough to significantly affect the animal's coordination, the mice that received the FGF21 injections also regained their coordination much faster than those that didn't receive the hormone. Now, what I can see here is don't have one of these at the bar thinking you can drive home. But if you do get into trouble, it would be nice to have one of those bring you back to life shots in the ambulance or in, at the emergency room. Hmm. Yeah. The last thing you want this is, is the- to be stuck in the shower with your loser friends and a blanket covered in puke in the trunk for three months.
2: Mm. This is the, I, I, I had too many drinks. I got home with the girl and I uh, can't hardly stand up. The little <laughs> injection would be pretty handy at that moment.
1: <laughs> See, it's funny that that's where oh, you went. I'm uh, back. <laughs> that's where you went to. I mean, obviously. From the gas so station. All, all you can think about is boners tonight. When I was actually thinking, did this actually hurt the mice population? Because the ugly mice still went home alone.
2: <laughs> You're a true humanitarian. That's our it all, animal. It level.
0: also matters if there's a larger she-mouse standing in the way of all the good time. <laughs> you always got to send a mouse to, to defeat the blocker, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, there's always that one mouse. It's like, my hey, friend's got to go home mice. now.
0: Yeah, you got to sacrifice a mouse for blockers. Can be many. <laughs> like, come on, mighty <laughs> mouse! It's your turn to take one for the team. Go occupy that. One.
2: <laughs> the grenade. Who's <laughs> jumping
0: on the grenade?
1: <laughs> oh man, do you have a do you have a podcast dump button? Because <sighs> those tonight days. you might need
0: it. Those were the days. Anyway, we're old now. We have a section called Adulting, which we'll probably get to later. <laughs> anyway, that wraps up talking about Brown. Let's get to our top. Story.
2: News team, assemble! Let's get down, let's get down to business.
1: And I got news for you.
0: Tonight's top story comes to us from the Wall Street Journal. Real fucking news, people. As customers' problems hit a record high, more people seek revenge. Revenges in quotes. Latest edition of a long running survey finds that the share of customers who say they had a service or product problem has doubled since the 1970s. This one ought to get you going here, Leon, because it got me going. So if there's something for the W2F segment, this could double over as the WTF segment because this is fucked up. Americans are encountering more problems with companies' products and services than ever before, and a higher proportion of them are actively seeking revenge for their troubles, a new study found. Some 74% of the 1,000 customers surveyed said they had experienced a product or service problem in the past year, up from 66% in 2020, when the study last was conducted, and 56% in 2017. A steady rise each of these times they take this survey. Only 32% told researchers they had experienced a problem in 1976, When a similar version of the study was first conducted. So that begs the question, are things worse or are our standards rising? Keep that in mind as we go on. The percentage of consumers who have taken action to settle a score against the company through measures such as pestering or public shaming in person or online has tripled to 9% from 3% in 2020. According to the study, that reversed a downward trend with regards to revenge seeking behavior. The average percentage of customers seeking revenge between 2003 and 2017 was 17%. It's the idea of if you as a company don't really seem to care, well, then I'm going to take to the streets, said Scott Bretzman, President, Chief Executive Officer of Customer Care, Measurement and Consulting, which conducts the so called National Customer Rage Survey with the W.P. Carey School of Business at Arizona State. The research, which builds on a study first conducted by the White House in 1976, albeit under a different name, found that 32% of complainants posted about their most serious problem on social media more than doubled the proportion who did so in the 2020 study. Most people now are using a computer. They're using some form of social media at this point. There's a democratization of complaining. Thoughts on this so far?
1: I think that's exactly what I was going to say before you even said it. It's that I think people are so desensitized to actual human interaction to this, this ability to throw these bombs or these trolls or whatever, you start to get this ridiculous confidence for being an asshole because you get to do it from afar all the time. Uh, and, and you counter that with a society that doesn't allow people to kick each other's ass anymore. You get this, this is what you get. Like if you were an asshole before you just get a pop in the nose and be like, maybe I won't be an asshole tomorrow. That's not how it is anymore. It's like, oh well, I just lost my entire livelihood, and I've been canceled because I got because I mouthed off, which got a really funny story for you off off the record. Dot uh, <laughs> one of our. I'm going to pause the show. Uh, you you may have to because that's pretty good. Hold on, to, hold that good, I'll, I'll pause the show. Pretty good story. Hold on. All right, <laughs> but to piggyback on that, maybe one day we'll we will we'll have some drinks. Oh, good story. The, I think it was a better a better world when people who mouthed off and society for the most part agreed that this guy just needs to get his ass kicked, and everything will be all right. That was the way the herd corrected the one outlier. Now we can't do that anymore. We have to, we have to respect the outliers needs and uh, you know, then you get all these people that are having horrible, horrible service experience. And, and uh, I think it's just, it's just a reflection of the direction we're going.
0: Yeah. The American Customer Satisfaction Index, which analyzes customer satisfaction with more than 400 companies in 47 industries on a scale of 1 to 100, fell to 73 in 2022 from 77 in 2018. The largest decline in the index's 28-year history. Customer satisfaction is improving in some industries, including consumer shipping, athletic shoes, soft drinks, hospitals, online and specialty retailing, but it is declining across fast food, hotel and gas stations. According to the index's latest report, so if you do if you do a correlation through those fast food, hotel, and gas stations, I would imagine you probably have
1: low educated, low income entry level positions, except for maybe the hotel. What do you guys think? Hotel hotel one shocks me to be honest with you, but I think the other two make a lot of sense. I, latest, I can't remember the last time I've I've been in a gas station where I'm like hmm, that person made me, my made my day better. I, don't know, I, I, I wouldn't even know if there was a human at the gas station. I, I get
2: there's in, I get my gas, no. and I leave.
0: So, like, are you never so been angry?
2: Anyway, really, it's always
0: been horrible. Twenty bucks on six. Guys. Okay, twenty bucks. I'm gone. <laughs> the latest wave of research found seventy nine percent of customers complained about their most serious problem to the company at fault, and increased from seventy two percent in twenty twenty So that's seven point difference. And 43% said they raised their voice to a customer service representative to show displeasure about their most serious problem, up from 35%. Again, about an eight-point slide. Most recent previous time, the question was asked on a survey. Consumers said some kinds of companies handle complaints better than others, with sectors including food delivery, package delivery, and banking outperforming categories such as, get this, pay television, air travel, and automotive. Yeah. The three ring hell
1: of poor customer service interaction. Makes a lot of sense. You, you know what I also think is contributing to this customer service issue. most, I mean, we are remotely dealing with issues now and the thought, and I, maybe they're doing this on purpose, I don't know, but the thought of calling in anywhere, name it, calling in and trying to rectify something, get more clarification on something, look at your bill, you know, as long as it's anything but sales. Once sales is great, they will call you. They will call you Mr. You know, Mr. Coventry. It's been great talking to you. you. I mean, they're good at it. They want to have a conversation, interaction with you, and it's not scripted. But all these scripted phone tree BS that you have to go through, it, that that experience is so miserable it's so miserable like you call and they're like yeah like okay what's your phone number what's your address great and then they pass you to something else and what's your problem what's your phone number what's your address what's your and then you like like I've already put this or given this information like six times on this call. And then they read a script to you. I'm so sorry. Blah, 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 blah. Over and over. Like, you don't, you don't give a shit. I know you don't give a shit. Let's just let's just get down to the brass tacks here. I'm having this issue. Can you fix this issue? So it now it's like people that are frustrated, talking to people that are like listening to frustrated people all day long. And I think it just rolls on itself. So you you
2: go, you go from the automated menu to the automated person, which is good. Exactly.
1: The script they have to read. And I've been part of these, these phone, um, these, these call centers, and that's exactly how it works. It sounds horrible. Somehow, some way, somebody decided we're going to grade you on the way that you deliver the messaging. And they feel like that's a great way to deliver the message. And I, I I had a recent interaction with a smaller company where I called to complain about something and the person actually answered the phone, listened to what I had to say and said, well, here's what's going on. And I said, thank you very much. I'm like, no script, no BS. I was like, that was wonderful. My time was quick. Their time was quick. I don't know who in the world thought writing these scripts is the better way to go, but it's, you just can't trust, I guess people to make the right decisions or maybe it's too much money in training. I have no idea, but
0: uh, it's, it's all in the name of automation. So the, the article goes on and we're skipping down to the bottom here. Uh, but that strategy is prone to angering customers further. The rage research found respondents named their top customer care frustrations as being forced to listen to long messages before you're permitted to speak to a representative and boom, figuring out how or where to contact the company, which covers the experience of feeling like a company is hiding its phone number. Mm-hmm. At the same time, 25% of respondents said they expected an explanation of why their problem occurred, 24% said they wanted an apology, and 23% said they wanted an assurance that the problem would never happen again. Pretty standard. They said their complaints infrequently got those results. Companies provided explanations in 9% of surveyed cases, apologized in 18%, and gave assurances in another 9%. Customer service technology such as artificial intelligence is less likely to be able to deliver that craving for
1: empathy that human agents give. A robot cannot be kind and compassionate. Maybe it's my personality type, but I don't care. I don't give a shit about that. I don't care about the apology. I'm, I'm calling for a resolution. I feel a lot better if I called and you were respectful of my time and your time and you resolved the issue I called about. Even if I was wrong, but at least you clarified it, Great. I don't need I don't need the apology because I know it's not sincere. You really don't give a shit.
0: Yeah, I kind of like that too. Just fix it. Just fix it. So I do, I have employed a technique that I think has worked wonders. And this is anecdotally. I haven't been measuring anything. I have no metrics for this. But if you do get a really great customer service agent and they listen and they seem to care, again, I don't care if they care. If they pretend to care, that's, that works wonders because it's believable. But if I have a wonderful customer agent experience, I will often say, thank you so much. This experience has been wonderful. You are wonderful. And I apologize for all the assholes that you're going to
1: deal with after me. And no, I won't answer your survey.
0: I'll answer the survey if they don't want me to do any work. They're like, yeah, can we send you a survey? I'm like, yeah, okay. Log on to Google and give us five stars. No, no. You give me the five stars in the email, I'll click the five stars. I'm not going to do any work. Mm -hmm. I may go so far as to fill out a survey, but if you're going to ask me to log into something with a password, uh uh-uh, fuck
1: off. If you just go to this QR code. I just just gave you
2: another five stars.
1: (laughs) <laughs> your mother,
0: your mom, everything's. Yeah, your mom. I mean, your mom gets five stars. I don't know about you. <laughs> that wraps no. up our top story. Let's get to the crank file.
1: I could look for something in the crank file. Crank file, whatever.
0: Tonight's crank file comes to us from UPI. Nebraska coffee chain bakes world's largest cake ball. Yes. Now we're getting somewhere. I'm I'm excited. This is just a week ago. This was March 23rd. A Nebraska-based coffee chain broke a Guinness world record by assembling an 848-pound cake ball in celebration of its 25th anniversary. Scooters Coffee, based in Omaha assembled the cake ball at its annual GROW conference at the CHI Health Center in Omaha. Officials said they attempted the Guinness World Records to celebrate the 25th anniversary of the chain's founding in Bellevue. The resulting cake ball weighed in at 848 pounds, beating the record of 628 pounds set by England's Sheffield Wednesday Football Club in 2017. Beat that, England! (laughs) Showed you something. So this is This is channel three here, KMTV in Omaha. And, uh, oh, the size of that thing. It's got sprinkles. (laughs) The sprinkles are the size of Kit large. Yeah, break those things off. Those are very large sprinkles. Looks like Mm -hmm. a loaf of bread. (laughs) Why a
1: cake ball? Any guesses? Uh, Well, have you ever made like a cake pop? Yeah. Yeah. Is that what a cake ball is? You basically make cake. You mix in like buttercream. And you stick a stick. And you pack it back together. I I figure that's what it is. But you know what? All I can think about while we're seeing this is I want a dare to be great situation like this. And I would love (laughs) the two of you guys to to team up with me and let's break a Guinness record of some sort. Because if if a giant cake ball was out there. No, I'm not good at the eating challenges. Like man versus food. It was just hard for me to watch. Like I had horrible anxiety for this man. Like. That was some really tough stuff to get through.
0: Oh, he had to quit. Yeah, oh, yeah. Adam, well,
1: I mean, Adam, what's his name? I assume. Yeah, I'm assuming yeah, he's I think, dead. I
0: think I think his doctor eventually said, your heart's going to explode if you don't stop. Yeah. But Some yeah, of his challenges to...
1: were weak sauce. and Some of them were like, dude, come on. Uh-uh. Not even for television. Yeah. I think one of the hardest ones I watched was the milkshake one. I'm like, that that's hard to get oh, through. For you. To yeah. watch him. Ugh. Oh. <laughs> Definitely for me. I saw him go but. into a seafood
0: joint in Maine, north northern <laughs> New England. And he went in and they're like, Yeah, you can't eat this platter. And you come out and it's like 80% of it is shell. You mm-hmm. know, it's like it's a pain in the ass to get crab meat out of the crab legs. Granted. And so maybe the idea is it because it takes so long to eat, you'll fill up. But he just went in and then he went doop, 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 crack, and he ate it all. He's like, Wow, I gotta hand it to this place. That was a tough one. And you could tell he's like ready for three more plates. Some of those, some <laughs> of those challenges were just stupid, but then oh, you know, yeah. they bring some. out a 16 patty burger or they bring out a four foot pizza. And I'm like, yeah, you got this bro. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. Joey chestnut needs to do, do some kind of show. I think what kind of shits do you think he puts down? All I know is like four whatever pounders? respect. To, yeah. I mean, he, he definitely, he should hold the record for most hot dogs eaten and biggest hot dog Released, I think. I had an article that I was going to save
0: for maybe happy times, or I do not know what to categorize it as, but it was a reunion of the Broken Lizard Boys, and they were talking Uh about the the twenty year anniversary of Super Troopers. Amazing! And they were talking about the maple syrup scene. Uh huh. They drank. They really did drink it, right? They drank two bottles a piece. Yeah, and each one of them immediately got diabetes. They felt like shit for like five hours, and Uh they went back to the hotel, (laughs) and then the purge came. And I guess maple syrup Uh, is part of a total cleanse. uh, And what they were saying was, it's real. It hurt. It was (laughs) uncomfortable. It sucked. And then all of it came
1: out. Uh, They were like, like, shit came out that I haven't seen in 20 years. So it's only sticky on the inside or on the outside. The inside. Something about having that much sugar in your system, I guess, is really, really awful. Like, I guess your body goes,
0: nope. No, no, not the way you came. That way.
1: Get out of here. Go. (laughs) We don't need any more sugar. Thank you. No, I think think that there's got to be something out there. And if any of the Bobs out there have suggestions on a Guinness record that we should... I mean, we've talked about quite a few on this podcast at this point. Well, I mean, you got guys that are rowing down rivers and giant pumpkins. Uh You got... You got, obviously, this largest cake ball. The marathon there's man. a lot of options. Yeah, yep. There's a yep. lot of options out there. And I just, I think there's one for us. And I would love love for us to uh, push the envelope and 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 put a mark on history. <laughs> for those of you out Has there in Bob land, the Grand land listening. On a
2: snowmobile yet? We could try that. Say that one again. Has anyone tried jumping the Grand Canyon on a snowmobile yet? We could try that.
1: Uh, you burst. I think yeah, it's a great idea. Let's
2: put that in.
0: We'll we'll pencil that in.
2: I mean, Robbie Knievel did it on a motorcycle, but I could have done that shit.
0: Oh, yeah, like no. one of the narrowest points. Yeah, yeah. There's parts where the Grand Canyon's five feet wide. I don't know if that's entirely accurate.
1: Well, the the midge knows the Grand Canyon like the back of his handy. He, he flew Ooh, it well. in. A, he flew it in a swamp cooler of an airplane.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> 100 times. That, that sounds like a story for another day.
2: Bad piece of shit, Poonawar. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Anyway, for the Bobs out there, if you have an idea for Leon's Guinness Book of World Records record breaking task, here's bottleofbrown at gmail.com and give us a call, 602 529 4562. And that wraps up the crank file.
1: Way to go, Nebraska.
0: Let's get on to science, technology, space. Five, four, three, two, one. Science isn't about why, it's about why not. Right.
2: Science!
1: Technology.
0: Yes, science,
1: technology, space. Tonight,
0: science, technology, space comes to us from Tom's Hardware Lab Demos Living PC powered by mushrooms. I didn't want to do this segment if General Tizzo was going to be joining us because he's going to come in on the show next week or two uh, because he just watched The Last of Us on HBO and he got really, really wigged out by all things fungus. But I'm kind Mm -hmm. of. I'm kind of morbidly obsessed here. So this was published a little over three weeks ago. Fungus replaces CPU and RAM. And this is real shit. This is the Mushroom Motherboard. Uh, Image credit, Andrew Adamatsky. The article begins, the Unconventional Computing Laboratory, good name, from the University of West of England in Bristol. And -hmm. Bristol is... I would say Bristol is the southwest corner of England. It's right up next to Wales. It's like right where San Diego would be. Uh, They -hmm. showcased a mushroom motherboard to popular science, which is a friend of the show. As this name conveys, the lab led by Professor Andrew Adam Matsk focuses on eccentric approaches to computing, like wetware, the notion of applying the concepts of hardware and software to living creatures. Fungi connect to a root network under the ground, sometimes called the wood wide web, using their mycelium, very slim hyphae that are the size of a thread. The fungal motherboard utilizes the mycelium as a conductor and a substitute for other electronic components, such as the processor or memory. In a previous study, Adamatsky demonstrated that mushrooms could communicate with each other through electrical signals via the mycelium. The mycelium is capable of sending and receiving electric signals and retaining memory. So for those of you fans of Avatar, The idea that the trees can talk to each other under the ground, that's basically this idea. And what it is is fungus fungus attaches to the bottom of the trees and the fungus talks to the fungus, which then talks to the trees. So the trees play a game of telephone using the fungus. This guy just took it and put it on a circuit board. The neurons in the human brain utilize spiking activity for communication. Adamatsky's investigation shows that mycelium uses a similar model. As a result, scientists can utilize the presence or absence of a spike as the basis for zeros or ones, akin to the binary language that conventional computing uses. Additionally, Adamatsky highlighted that researchers can increase the speed and reliability of the communication if they stimulate mycelium at two separate points to enhance conductivity. This process helps develop memory comparable to how the brain creates habits. Mushroom computers. What do you think of this shit?
2: I have a question. Mm-hmm. Are we sure, 100% sure, that these scientists didn't just take mushrooms and imagine the rest of all of this happened?
1: Yeah, it's that's a fair point. That's a fair point. I think uh, anyone who was wanted to do this experiment has obviously dabbled in, in mushrooms uh, and not just the kinds that end up on pizza. But by the way, are you guys for or against mushrooms uh, edible?
2: I have yet not to find...
1: Drug a mushroom
0: preparation
1: yeah. that does it for me. I hate
2: mushrooms. One thing I, I take off of all food. Yeah,
1: truly. I agree. I, I can't eat anything that grows on my feet.
2: Yeah, I'm so not,
1: I'm not against them. I just haven't found a way to, to make them that I like. Yeah. So yeah, I, th- I, I peel them off too. <laughs> I will say though, um, with the recent rainfall that we've had here in, in California, it's been a big mushroom boom because mm-hmm. very rarely is the ground soggy enough here to, the to grow mushrooms outside. yeah they're they're out and the mushrooms are out and i was thinking god these that's amazing how quickly they can develop and grow and there's got to be something to it you know so, They're closer think, to us than they are to plants. Yeah. yeah, yeah it's
0: fungi's, amazing. Fungi's should a wig. out. You get too, too into it. Uh, yeah.
1: right now I think this is just pretty
0: cool though. It is very cool. So right now it's just feasibility studies. We're just demonstrating that it's possible to implement computation and it's possible to implement basic logical circuits and basic electronic circuits with mycelium. In the future, we can grow more advanced mycelium computers and control devices admittedly there's still a lot of work and research to be done on the topic we'll unlikely see the first fungal motherboard much less a living computer populated by fungi in a few years the concept is interesting though in contrast to all the hype about ai imagine speaking to your favorite mushroom
1: to have it google something. enter joke here that i can't think of but i'm sure there's a good one
2: I feel like they're all too obvious. It makes a no. lot of sense
1: because fungus works
0: kind of the way the human brain does. It sends electrical impulses back and forth, and it grows and feeds, and it does all the things that living things do. It just it grows in the dirt, so people consider it a plant. Anyway, I like what
1: they're doing. I like what they're doing here. I think uh, what would be the next step in technology is okay. This is great, but and and maybe they act as some kind of superconductor or something down the road but uh you know i not to be too much of a downer but i've been recently learning a lot about where we get cobalt from and the horrible the horrors mm-hmm. of how we're getting that so can we can we start concentrating on how, how to replace cobalt with with uh some of these mushrooms or is there is there another solution there <laughs> There's got to be something. Yeah. I bet the moon is made of cobalt. We need to go up there and get it. The irony of something called a rare earth mineral is that we
0: have plenty of it. It's not rare at all. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that wraps up science, technology, space. Leon, you, you, you angry about something? Do you, I am angry. Do you want to? Do you want to say something? Because it's time for Leon
1: Loves. So far, Danny, I haven't heard a single logical reason. No, no, don't accept this. It's frustrating, and we haven't cured cancer. We have not cured cancer. I don't know the answer. I'm just ranting about it. Leon, this is, again, one of those things that I can't help. Let's say I don't know the answer. I really don't. Sorry, don't know the answer, but I have to rant about it. At what point do we have to stand up for ourselves in this world and say, you're a snowflake, and I'm sick of changing all of my behavior to make you feel better about it. Don't I mean, we've talked about it in the past, and I can't help at this point, but constantly wrap my head around why we are spending so much time trying to teach the masses, and I do believe the masses are usually not the ones that are offended, to say, act, and treat what's been the norm differently and i'm really tiptoeing here because i'm not trying to make this a political conversation because it goes on both sides of the aisle but i feel like no matter what you say no matter what you do people have been so offended and the other day i was just randomly standing in in line for a uh just to pick up lunch and the person in front of me said something like i don't, I don't even know what they said but apparently it offended the person behind them like well you know not all people are like that and i'm like whoa The person felt so offended that they had to stand up for themselves and say, what you said really offended me. And I was like, when did we change our entire mentality as a society to say, um, you've, you've offended me. Now you need to correct your behavior. So I'm not so offended. And we all accept that as an okay response. Midge, do you expect, accept,
2: accept that? Yeah. And I I know exactly what you're saying. And it's, uh, it's partly a generational problem because none of us ever pulled this shit. And the, the difference was that 20 years ago, if you were that person, you were shouted down for being a pain in the ass for being, we, we, we would call you every name we could think of and move on. You can't do that anymore. And it wasn't, I don't think that was really about our age. It was about the mentality change. What has happened is now everybody needs a safe space. Everybody there's, there's a complete absence of tolerance for people being uncomfortable with anything anymore. That's the problem. Nobody thinks that they should have to be uncomfortable for a single second. And beyond that, everybody also thinks that everyone around them should know what makes them uncomfortable in advance. And like you mentioned before, tiptoe around it. Right. And that's not, it's just, it's not the way life works. And, and it's, it makes, it makes reality when you finally have to face that, when you get out of school and get a real job and have to deal with real adult problems, like half of, half of the kids growing up today, their heads are going to fucking explode when they realize how, uh, how hard, life can be at times and nobody fucking told him that. Yeah. Well, and I think,
1: I think what happened, and this is my theory behind it. As I was standing in line waiting for my Euro and watching this play in front of me, I was thinking, where did this start? And I think that a lot of this behavior started for the right reasons, right? I think that pendulum swing hard right and hard left and and I don't mean that politically I just mean we just go from side to side really really hard and I think that bullying is a problem and it was a problem and I don't know anybody who went to any school or any job or anything that didn't experience a bully they they exist out there but just like everything we've ever done in the United States especially is we cater to the 0.01% instead of to the majority. We have to put here's your sign messages on (laughs) hair dryers to say, do not use in the shower because there's morons out there that use it in the shower. And we have to do, we have to change behaviors and we have to, change verbiage and we have to change dialects and we have to change the way we do things because there's a small percentage of people that can't handle it now it's i don't i don't want to beat up on the small people i uh, the ones that are, are that can't handle it we appreciate don't you that. think don't you think the easier thing as a society would be let's help the small percentage deal with it better <laughs> than trying to get the 99.5 percent To change their behavior, that's that's where I think I'm struggling on this. I feel like we're attacking the wrong side. Now the small, the nobody, the the victim mentality that we have in right now in the United States, it's like who's and and this isn't this isn't just right now. This isn't right now. I think one of the greatest movies of all time was with uh, Jeremy Piven, um, the University, ECU. Thank you. They nailed it. And what is that? Twenty five years old? That movie? Oh yeah, long long time ago. Early, early 2000s, maybe late 90s. Yeah, but it's absolutely spot on. It never changed. It's part of our culture that, we, that you have to pick up your sign and you have to march for whatever cause you decide you want to march for. But it, the problem is that the ones that don't really make a lot of sense to march for are washing out the ones that we should be talking about. And it's become noise. Everybody's problems are just noise now. I call it I call it the Trump effect, like him or hate him, you have to admit the guy was so fucking nut job out there on the microphone that if, he, if any US president would have ever said any single thing that he ever said in any of his interviews just one time, it would have made history. But he did it so often, it just became noise. So you can't even remember the last stupid thing he said because he said a new stupid thing now um and i'm not i'm not ripping on Trump but i do think that was a strategy that really really worked and i think that's something that we're dealing with now uh is that this cause and this cause and this cause and this cause and it's so in your face and it's so in your face and everybody's got to he- hear this cause and this is the new thing to be offended about and it's just coming at us too fast and then my head is spinning i i don't i don't even know as a business owner how to safely navigate any waters anymore on, on this type of stuff. And I I'm looking for help. I, I, I'm just looking for help from people out there to actually stand up and say enough is enough. You know, like there's a difference between being absolutely rude, um, shredding people and just saying something that has nothing to do with the way that you got offended and you just need to move on. That's my love.
2: It's time to go back my full. D- time, where look, the fucking strong survive, and all of these whiners, we just mow them down. <laughs> I've and never actually uh, encountered the singular. I'm offended. I think that I think that pendulum. I think you're right about the pendulum. It's swinging wildly, but I think it's eventually going to swing back in the other direction, where people just have had enough of it, and those people won't get shouted down. They'll just start to get ignored. Yeah. I'm hoping that's what's going to happen because there needs to be a return to sanity at, at some point because I feel like everybody kind of agrees we're we're living in like this constant state of madness now where it's so completely out of control that it's it still makes the, all this insane stuff makes the news and yet we still accept it as mm-hmm. being okay.
0: I think Leon's right about the pendulum. I think it's it's gonna swing back. There's going to be a reaction to all this and there's going to be a, you're already seeing kids like 19 and below kind of walking away from social media, you're starting to see things like regulation catch up. You guys catch that law in Utah that passed a week or two ago that says only parents can consent to social media usage. You're starting okay. to see them go after TikTok. I mean, its you're starting to see the pendulum swing back to where there's a violent kind of tamp down on these things that cause this self-entitled, I'm a person, therefore I am relevant. Um, and I, I've never actually encountered one person saying I'm offended. Because my first reaction would be, and who are you? Mm-hmm. Usually I've encountered that where you say something within a group and the entire group goes, oh, or there's a groan or maybe a boo or there's a group See, kind of consensus. And that's like, all right. You've well, never this- met Karen, huh? Oh, well, I've met, I've met Karens, but I've never met anybody that actually uses those. I'm offended because my
1: first reaction would be laughter. And, <laughs> and who the fuck are you that I should care? The, the barometer should be, I'm going to go grab five people from anywhere that's not the U.S., just anywhere that's not the U S third world country, first world country. I'm going to grab a Brit. I'm going to grab somebody from Belgium and somebody from Somalia and somebody from Australia. And we're going to walk up to doors and go, I want you to meet this victim. This victim here um, felt like the questions on the SAT were not fair for her upbringing. How do you feel about that victim? Like, uh, Oh, you know, I, I think that Dave, Dave Chappelle, as he normally does, because I do think not only is a comedic genius, he's a genius. Cause he does a really good job telling stories that distill it down to what it really is. And he told a story on Letterman right when he came back out of his uh, meltdown time. Everyone knows like after David, uh, well, maybe don't know, but after he left uh, the Chappelle show, he kind of just went on a mental hiatus, like it was just all too much for him. He got too yeah, famous, to South too Africa. rich, too fast. Yeah. Right. And he tells a story about how he went down to South Africa and he was meeting with a tribal chief. And the tribal chief uh is like, What's what's wrong, David? The way he talks about it, right? I'm I'm not trying to, to mock the poor man, but what's wrong with you, David? And he's like, Well, honestly, chief, uh, I got, I got really, really wealthy, really, really fast. And people who I thought were my friends, I started questioning if they were my friends. Um, People that made promises to me that I trusted broke the promises. Um, You know, people are coming out of the woodwork, asking for for money from me, asking for help. I don't, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's constant everywhere I go. People are yelling things from my shows. Like I have no privacy. And the chief looked at me after, you know, a minute and and said, you know, David, I, I understand exactly what you're saying. Because just yesterday, um, somebody in my tribe over here, they died of malaria because we couldn't get one of the shots you guys have on your counter. Um, but you know, I understand exactly what you're talking about. And it just put everything in fucking perspective for him. Like, yeah, what the fuck am I complaining about? Like, it's not that it's not a problem. It's just perspective is so important with 100%. every issue. And you have to, You try to, you try to wrap your head around, but then when, even when you try to wrap your head around the perspective and you're still going, I don't get it. I just don't get it. That's where I'm struggling because that's where I feel like we are now because I'm trying to wrap my head around. Okay. Why do you feel this way? And why do you feel this passionately about this? And let me understand the underlying factors and, and all that kind of stuff. But eventually you're just like, shut the fuck up and just suck it up. Get your ass to work. And I don't want to hear it anymore because sometimes people just need a punch in the face. <laughs> that's, that's all I gotta say. Sometimes it looks
2: like, it looks like Todd Galaka came up with the solution to your problem.
1: <laughs> I can't wait for you to edit this show later, Danny. <laughs>
0: nice load, Leah. No, I it like wasn't. To kind of your jib, sir.
1: Pissed off. People suck. I guess is what I'm trying to say. No. Nope. Excellent,
0: excellent, Loth. Come on! I think the best way to come off a loath is to turn it around, find something happy to end on. Let's get to our final segment, Happy Times. Tonight's happy times comes to us from DodgersWay.com. Dodgers renew contract extend extremely kind gesture to former outfielder Andrew Tolles. On Wednesday, the Los Angeles Dodgers renewed contracts for pre-arbitration players Michael Grove and Andrew Tolles, which sounds like a routine piece of baseball business printed in tiny black and white below the more attention-grabbing headlines. Not in this instance, though. This particular renewal involved one young star and one young man who will more than likely never play baseball again, But in this often cruel business, that hasn't stopped the Dodgers from paying attention to him and sending love his way. The 30-year-old tolls was a core playoff starter in 2016, batted 462 in an NLCS where the Cubs' first World Series appearance in decades ultimately dominated the narrative. In 2017, he hit two seventy one with five home runs in 31 games. Even then, it was likely he was battling unseen demons, which can affect anyone from your happiest friends to someone performing exceptionally on a national stage. Tolles tore his ACL May 9, 2017 and was unable to recover his budding power stroke when he returned healthy for the 2018 season Physically healthy, that is. He failed to report to spring training on time in 2019, ultimately leading the team. The year prior, unbeknownst to anyone, he'd been diagnosed with bipolar disorder and schizophrenia and opted to spend time with his family rather than try to rehabilitate his injuries and find his stroke. Since then, things have only gone further downhill. Toles was arrested in 2020 for sleeping behind a Florida airport and continues to battle his issues far away from the spotlight. But... The Dodgers have not let him go. Last year, they renewed his contract so he could maintain access to mental health services. And on Wednesday, they did it again for another reason. In a tweet, Mike Bates said, baseball is often a cold, uncaring business. It releases young players back into the wild with little support to find their way. But what the Dodgers have done with and for Andrew Toles is a truly good and kind thing. Thanks for reminding me. Even in a sport overflowing with bad publicity and ruthless decision making, there's still room for organizational empathy. So this guy who was apparently bat flipping bombs back in 2016 and actually showed a lot of promise in 2017 and already started to slip by the 2018 season. And he had bipolar disorder and schizophrenia, so some serious mental health issues that kept him away from the game rather than cut him loose and say good luck like maybe the nfl or some other sports leagues do the dodgers signed him not to play but to include him in their medical benefits program thoughts on that that's
1: awesome you know that reminds me of the story i don't know if you remember the cincinnati Bengals um had a center or some Defensive player who just didn't make the cut, but his daughter needed treatment for some rare type of, I want to say cancer or something like that. And they ended up keeping him on, on the practice squad, just so she can get treatment. These stories are wonderful, Danny. You nailed it.
0: Dodgers with a payroll this high. It's admirable that they still carved out a slice of kindness to help Tolls in
2: any way. Thank you. Mitch, go. I think these, I think these organizations need to recognize to all of the, with all the money floating around sports like this, you gotta, you gotta take care of people when, and this is a big thing the NFL really needs to get on board with, make a lot of sacrifices to get where they get. And, you know, when they have particularly issues that are completely outside of their control, I think they have a responsibility to take care of those people. I mean, look what he did for him for, for all those seasons. This is something, this is something that every organization should be doing, taking care of these people who took care of them. And, you know, Brought the fans out and, and make the sport possible.
0: Yeah, great pick. I love it, Danny. That wraps up Happy Times. <clears throat> Boys, this was a good episode. We'll a see. a lot out of the way. We'll see. There might be some <laughs> tough edits here, but that's all right. That's part of the, the Jones.
1: <laughs> right now we're oh, I busting mean. things
0: out on a weekly schedule. And it sounds like if I keep the current cadence of things, we're probably looking at this episode to go out. Oh, goodness. This guy might not go out till May. So I've been launching things weekly. I may accelerate a couple episodes just to get them out of the way. And then we'll try and do these on a a weekly cadence here, because this is episode Uh 78. And then uh, Leon has promised me that episode 80, he will have some scotch with me, which I'm very much looking forward to. Very exciting. Anyway, welcome to a lovely spring, boys. It's time for the sun to stay out longer, things to get a little bit warmer, and it's time to start thinking about playing more golf. That's what I
2: said. Hell yeah. That's our show.
0: You can email us at brown at gmail.com. Give us a call, 602-529-4562. Leave a message for Danny, Leon, the Midge, or Mr. Jones, any of our special guests. We want to hear from you. Give us ideas to talk about or refute anything we say on the show if you're a Bob out there with expertise. If you like the show, please like, follow, subscribe, share with a friend. We are wherever you get your podcasts and if you have a place that you have podcasts that you cannot get bottle of brown see above bottle of brown at gmail.com 602-529-4562 share a drink with us next episode please we would love for you to join us same brown time same brown channel bottle of (laughs) brown.com
2: This place is dead anyway, man.